Hey, what's up? My name is Raylia Lewis, and welcome back to Everything is Everything. First of all, I just want to thank God publicly on record for all of this snow. Right now, I am sitting in my living room. I have my tea. The snow is falling. It's so beautiful. I don't care how old I get. I will always love snow. Last week, we had a major snowstorm. It literally snowed for like four days. And I was like, what more could I ask for, God? And then I wake up today, and it's snowing again. So I am just so grateful for the snow. I know it inconveniences people, and it, you know, it stops people from traveling and going to work. But I don't care. I just love to look at it. It's pretty. It makes me feel warm and cozy. And it's just my thing. I just enjoy the seasons changing and I enjoy snow. Can we normalize reciprocity? Like, can we normalize wanting it, not being afraid to say it, not being afraid to bring it to the conversation, to the table? Because like, what is this whole ordeal with people wanting to prove their humanity so bad that they forget to be honest about being human. I really think we are too fixated on looking like we have it all together and pretending that we're all vibrating higher than we actually are, that we start to just lie about what we really want and who we really are. Some things are just human nature. We all feel the same emotions. Our behaviors may differ, but we all feel. And too many times people have criticized my views on one in reciprocity as if we all don't ultimately want the same things. Who goes to work for the sake of work? You go to work to make a living. You go to work to get a paycheck, to get paid. You don't date for meaningless connections. You date because you want to love and be loved. You want companionship. You want passion. And hell, some people just want a place to live. Hobo sapiens are a real thing. But the point I'm making is that regardless of whether your intentions are opportunistic or honorable, you still have a premise and objective and you still are looking to give and to receive. Who does something for absolutely nothing? I mean nothing. I haven't met not one person who just did something for nothing. Even when you do charitable work or good deeds, when you dig deep, it's often about making yourself feel good and doing it to even honor God and get your blessings. Transactional. Doing a good deed is still a good deed regardless of the motive, but to be completely honest, that shit can be ego-driven too. Sometimes helping others allows us to feel seen or it gives us a sense of meaning. And that's not to say that humanitarians are the equivalent to clout chasers. But under the surface, we already want to be seen and celebrated in some way. So I made a post talking about allowing people to set the tone in relationships to avoid overextending yourself for the wrong people and to avoid conflict. In my life, I've realized that if I know what I'm dealing with, I have the option to handle that person accordingly, which limits me from having high expectations and issues in the long run. I believe it's important to take your time with people. Don't jump in here first, 
Allow people to earn your trust, your love, and your support. There's levels to relationships. I don't care what anybody says. There's levels to friendships. And learning to discern what role a person plays in your life or in your story is so important. Everybody ain't your best friend. Your friends can have different roles in your life. You have friends who may be great to talk to and seek advice from. You can tell them all your dark, dirty secrets. And then you have friends who you may enjoy their company, but you don't want to tell them your business. Maybe they're more judgmental. Maybe they have a more limited view of life experiences and they don't really understand or have the capacity to empathize with things they've never experienced. You have friends who have known you forever and they're almost like family, but y'all may not talk as much. Life has put y'all on different paths and although y'all maintain a bond, the relationship may not be as active. You have friends on the exact same page as you. Maybe y'all work together. Maybe y'all have things in common and enjoy the same things. Sometimes lengthy friendships lose their luster. Your bestie may have settled down and had kids and isn't as available anymore. But your new work friend, she for the shits. And y'all have the best times together. Now the conflict arises when you think your fun little work friend deserves the same treatment as your lengthy friendship because you enjoy the new company. I've been here before. Some friendships last a lifetime and some a season. So allowing bonds to truly be established instead of confusing convenience for quality can make all the difference. Your work friend doesn't need to know all your business. You don't need to be loaning them money, etc. Make sure they're around for the right reasons. Convenient friendships are a real thing. I have been friends with a few of my brother's ex-girlfriends until their relationship ended and then both parties moved on. It happens every day. And don't get me wrong, all relationships can serve a purpose short-term and long-term. Sometimes you just learn from them. Other times, they may add a spark or a light to your doll life. I remember meeting my best friend at 19 and my life immediately had more color. There was so much fun, adventure, and laughter added to my life at a time when I really needed it. So I will never look at a friendship and regret it 100% because, I, like I said, I do feel like friendships, they have a purpose. Whether you learn from them, even if it's painful, you know, life and experience is the best teacher. So I'm not saying to shy away from new friendships or new experiences, but what I'm saying is just learn where to place people in your life. So yesterday I was at home bored and I just wrote like a short IG story talking about knowing what roles people play in your life. And of course, many people felt the need to give me their perspective. Some people agreed, others did not. You know, of course, we all have different perspectives, viewpoints, I get that. So I'm never upset when people disagree with me, but sometimes I'm annoyed when people disagree with me because I feel like they're trying to play devil's advocate or they're saying the same thing I'm saying. They're just saying it a different way. And I'm like, why even play games? Like just say you agree or just keep it pushing. So I received messages from people who claimed 
And this is this is something that grinds my, my gears. I'm going to be honest with y'all. They claim that they show up as their full self, regardless of how they're treated by others. You know, you don't allow people to dictate your character and who you are. You don't change who you are because someone doesn't treat you well. I call bullshit. I call bullshit. I don't care how kind you are, how great your character is. If you're in a relationship with someone and they are being abusive or they are being dishonest, ain't no way you're going to show up the same way, gung-ho, happy, willing to serve. You're going to be like, nah, nah. You might not go crazy. You might not curse a motherfucker out. You might not leave. But you are going to alter yourself in some way because you're not a sociopath and you feel and you have real and raw emotions and you will be tested and you do not have it all figured out. You know, we're all constantly learning and experiencing things that we are not always prepared to experience. You know, there's no blueprint on life. There's no blueprint on how to deal with all of our relationships the felt ones the successful ones you're going to go through some things you're going to be confused you're going to be in conflict with yourself and with others so you're not going to tell me that you're a fucking gandhi like you're not you're not jesus you're not always gracious you're not always calm and and passive we all get angry and we all expect things, especially when we're being honorable and good to people. And like, I'm, like I said, that's not to say that we all go about things in the right way. We may not all carry it the same or act the same way. But you ain't going to sit here and make me believe that you going to sit here and let one of your friends steal your money. And you still going to give her money the next day. Or you still going to leave your purse around the next day. Because now, now I'm going to think something wrong with you. Because when God gives you signs, you take heed to them, right? Your intuition is a real thing. Your ability to comprehend and discern matters. Like you lock your door at night because you don't want a stranger to walk in. So when things happen to you in your life, it's completely normal to put up walls for protection and for safety. And it's not to say to put up walls that people can't get through, like walls of steel. But... You alter some things to make sure that you don't get the same results. Because the objective to life is to get smarter, right? Like if someone shows you who they are, you believe them. Even if it takes a few times, some people may be more slow to learn and grasping concepts than others. I, I get that. I understand that. Some people may be more optimistic, may want to see the good in people, may be willing to lie to themselves to keep people in their lives. But eventually, even that runs its course. Eventually, you wake up and you're like, nah, nah, not no more. But one comment that stuck out to me in particular was from a girl. And she wrote me and she, she said that she shows up as her full self, but she makes adjustments. And I'm like, huh? Like, showing up as your full self is the absence of adjusting. Like, did we just say the same thing differently? I said to know where people 
stand in your life, to build bonds, to take your time with people. She said, show up as your full self and make adjustments. Now, when I say to get to know people, I'm not saying to show up as your fake self. You be yourself, but you take time. You know, everything is not for everybody. You don't just give a stranger because they're nice access to your wallet, but you may trust your best friend with your wallet. That doesn't mean you're not being yourself. You're just being smart. <laughs> like, it's important to be smart. Like, this is not heaven. Even though I'm kind, that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to me. That doesn't mean that people aren't out here looking for people to be naive and wet behind the ears. So essentially, we are saying the same thing. Be yourself, but take your time. Make adjustments. Figure out where people stand. Let people set the tone so therefore you know when you unveil certain behaviors or certain things about yourself that may be more dear to you, you're in a safe environment to do so. All I'm saying is there is absolutely nothing wrong with creating boundaries and expecting to be watered when you also do the watering. One hand will always wash the other. I think this mentality speaks to a deeper issue. Patriarchy plug. I'm a plug that. Y'all know I'm a plug that. Patriarchy has done a number on us. Some people may see this as a reach. I understand that. But it's really not because... Most things are always connected. Women have been conditioned to accept the bare minimum. Like we really be hooked on consistency and sold on that. But the whole time, our idea of consistency usually only involves a guy calling us back over and over again. Like I spoke to so many women about this. And women, you know, women generally speaking are sold on a guy calling them back, right? But not on his actions, not on his kindness, not on his his passion, his compassion, his his character. Because sometimes guys calling you back only involves convenience and bullshit. But if you're so eager to be loved and to be seen, and you're so used to not having somebody call you back, you see that as charm, you see that as interest, you see that as meaning. Well, sometimes that nigga just want to get laid tonight. Or he just bored, and he know you're going to be there. And that's just that. Even the idea of applauding and celebrating effort when it's half-assed. Like, it's the thought that counts. Like... Like, is it really, like always, when am I allowed to teach you my needs and wants before I'm attacked for being high maintenance or too much, overzealous, I'll say. Seeking reciprocity isn't a bad thing. And I want to speak on 
the effort part a little bit more so you guys can really understand what I'm speaking on. Because I remember when I was in my early 20s and I was dating this older guy. He was about 30. And he was smarter than me. He knew how to say things. And because I was naive and thought I knew everything, I didn't grasp everything. And I also feel like as a young woman, when you date older men, not only are you not ready because you're not experienced enough, you're not ready because you don't you don't be grasping the shit they be saying. Like, like that's a real thing. I remember conversations we would have that I'm still, like, understanding today. Like, just grasping, like, oh, that was a major red flag. But at 22, sometimes you're just so enamored with people. You have this this limited idea on life and you see love differently. You see relationships differently. You're sometimes, like I said, you're more optimistic because you're younger and you haven't really experienced certain things yet. Maybe you haven't experienced disappointment and pain yet. I know at 22, I already hadn't, hadn't, hadn't gone through, you know, really traumatic things and relationships just yet. I was a late bloomer, you know? So that dynamic, that age gap, does make the younger person more vulnerable to the older person's intentions and and games. And I remember a time where I had like a bullshit phone. It was the worst phone. And this guy was playing games with me, but I thought he really liked me. So to impress me, he went and took me to a phone store to get me a new phone. But the whole time, he didn't buy the phone. He just leased the phone. So what happened was I was due for an upgrade. And let's say this was around the time the iPhone 5 or 4 came out. I had probably like a a 1. I, I didn't have money at the time. I'm young. I'm a server. And, and guys play on that. They play on women who are younger, who are impressionable, and who are struggling financially. So because he knew that I couldn't afford a new phone... He took me to get a new phone, but he, he knew he wasn't going to be around for a long time, so he didn't want to really take a L financially, so he leased me a phone. So basically, he paid the taxes on a new and a better phone, and then the remainder of the, you know, the fee for the phone, what it really cost, it would go to my bill. So when he left, he left me in more debt because now I had to pay off a phone that I couldn't even afford. But at that time, I thought it was the sweetest gesture. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is into me. He cares about my struggles. He wanted me to have a new phone. I could have did that on my own. But being conditioned and thinking that because a guy calls you every day, like I said, regardless of the substance of the conversation and the nature of the conversation and his character, regardless of minimalist effort, I was sold or somebody who ultimately left me in more debt because I saw his little gesture as something so grand when it just was a part of his plan to just conquer and be out. That shit is so funny to me now because he would even like he was king of cap. Yeah, I bought you a phone, you know what I'm saying? Like, change the situation. Nigga, you did not. 
Megan, you leased me a phone. I do not own this phone. And then I got to pay for this phone with my little check. You know, but like I said, even these kind of relationships serve a purpose. Because this made me step up my motherfucking game. This made me call out a rap when I seen one. And this made me expect more and not be sold on mediocrity. You're not a bad person because you want people to care about you and show up for you the same way you show up for them. Can we stop guilt tripping people for being honest about their needs? Even the book, The Five Love Languages, which is a great book. I read it about five years ago and I see so many people discovering now reading about it now and, you know, posting about it and really trying to apply these concepts to all of their relationships, which I think is a great thing. But even that concept involves give and take. Shit, checking out at the freaking dollar store involves reciprocity, okay? So establishing that in your friendships and relationships is necessary and it is normal. You're not doing too much. Some people just ain't doing enough. And that's one that. And now it is time for my segment, IG Meme of the Week. There's this meme that I've been seeing a lot. It's been trending on and off. And I've always had like, a different perspective than others and we all see things differently I consider that I just want to give my perspective on it and talk about why I don't fully agree with this concept but I also want to acknowledge that I understand why people feel this way so the meme says stop expecting your friends and family to support you they're not your intended target I'm an entrepreneur I'm a model. I've been building a brand for over a decade. And people feel this way and say these things so that they don't have high expectations, so that they don't get hurt. It's almost like protection. You know, a lot of times when you dream big, the people closest to you will not always see your vision. Sometimes they haven't ever challenged societal expectations and, you know, really beat down ceilings themselves so they can't fandom the the fact that you can have this tenacity and these dreams and really chase it, like that's abnormal to them. So they're not always as supportive. They're sometimes more traditional and they don't always know how to show up for you. I understand that. I consider that, you know, looking at it from that viewpoint, I get why people don't expect their family and friends to support them. But I also feel like we shouldn't come down too hard on people who do expect their family and friends to support them either. Because I do believe in nepotism. I do believe in putting your people in position to win. If you are trying to build generational wealth, that has to start within your family, within your immediate circle, within your village. And it's important to home that village. It's important to water and feed and nourish that village. And nobody wants to just be taken advantage of or just used when shit goes another way. You know, and I was about to talk about this on my Insta story, but I decided to bring it here. 
And let's say, for example, you are an entrepreneur, you have this great idea, you don't have any money. And, you know, coming from the hood, most of your family really don't have money to invest in your dream. I get that. But when you get your products rolling, say you're making cakes, you're making pastries, right? You start making cakes, you get better and better. Now you're making these gorgeous cakes. Everybody has a birthday. Everybody has an event, a grand opening, a baby shower. And you're noticing that none of the people you hold near and dear to your heart ever utilizes your services, you know. And then when they do, they expect it for free. Like they expect a favor. Like, oh, can you make me a cake? They're not trying to check out, pay you your money. They just want the cake. You know, they acknowledge the talent, but they never once take their money or took their money and put it into your pockets. But they'll go to the biggest bakery and pay more. They'll go to the supermarket and get these gourmet cakes, but they never choose to water your garden. I think you have every right to be offended by that because, like, who is your intended target for cake? Like, everybody need cake at one point in time or another, you know, now, granted, you may have a relative that may be vegan, and I know small cake makers that even make vegan cakes, but say you don't make vegan cakes. In that aspect, I will understand why your family member would have to go somewhere else for a cake, but you make every kind of cake. It's delicious and look good, and your family not one time ever came to you to put any money in your pockets. I think that's a big problem, and what's so bizarre to me is that now you cake boss, now you're making millions of dollars a year, you're making celebrity cakes, wedding cakes, you have a great clientele. The same family members who overlooked you, who never once put money in your pockets, now expect you to put them in position. They now expect you to bail them, their sons out of jail. Now they expect you to allow their daughter to be your apprentice, and allow you to, or expect you to give her a job fresh out of high school because that's your cousin that you didn't even grow up with. You know, if people expect so much of you now, your auntie losing her house, they leaning on you for help because they know you have the money. Like, where does, like, where do we draw the line? So I shouldn't expect my family to support me and help me when I'm building, but they can expect me to help them and, you know, support them when, I, when I'm built. How does that make sense? Like, stop leaving entrepreneurs and dreamers and creative out here to dry and then bringing a bowl to their well when they're flourishing. Like, they're humans, too. Like, being rich and being broke don't make you exempt from feeling and having real and raw emotions and feeling betrayal and not feeling supported. And money doesn't fix and mend everything. It does not block all emotions. Sometimes it magnifies them because it allows you to see more and it allows you to have access to more and see what you're really missing. And I just don't understand this idea that my family, and this is not my family per se, I'm speaking generally. I just want to make that clear. But I never understood the idea that your family doesn't have to support you. Your family doesn't have to be your customer. But now when you're making it and you're winning, your family want to be around to eat. That's not how shit's supposed to go. Like, you're supposed to be for, support your family member, whether they're up or down, whether they win or lose, rain or shine. Like, if your family don't have your back, if your friends don't have your back, like, who really for you? 
And it's easy to have somebody's back when things is going well in their life. It's easy to celebrate people when they're winning. It's easy to want to be around people when they're winning. But what's important is that you're around people because you love people and you're around people for all of their seasons, not just the good ones, but the bad ones too. And we all need support. Life is up and down for everybody. So if you want your family to water you when you're down, you also have to be that to the, the, to the next person. It's not just about you. And I think that we are so conditioned to be selfish and in the black community, we are like, it's really every man for themselves. Like, when your child turns 18, it's time to go. You grown now. You either got to pay some bills, pay your bill, or get the fuck out, which I think is bizarre. I think that's crazy. And then when it comes to being an entrepreneur in the black community, it's like, well, that's what you want to do. If you want to struggle, if you want to be a starving artist, that's on you. I got me a city job. I got me stability. But then when that entrepreneur and that starving artist is flourishing and is a millionaire, now that CEO, that septa bus driver is gloating and hype about their cousin or their sibling or their relative. And now when they didn't pay their taxes for a few years on their house or when they're short on food for a month, they expect their entrepreneurial cousin to look out. But when you was the breadwinner, you ain't look out. But now I got to look out because I'm the breadwinner. Like, be human. I don't understand this mentality. It takes a village to raise the baby. It takes a village to thrive and succeed. And I'm not saying that your family has to be, you know, the catalyst to wealth, but that support means something. Like, it matters. Like, sometimes it's the driving force to why you didn't stop, to why you kept going. People don't always have to support you monetarily either like i i don't want to make that the premise to my my viewpoint some support could just be helping you bake the cake helping you pass out flyers posting it on social media telling somebody about it complimenting you on it asking you what you need showing up to your event it's not just about buying it but one thing about me if my niece selling something and there's a store up the street that sell it. Who you think I'm going to go to? My niece. Even if she's more expensive, I'm going to my niece. Like, that's anything. Like, keep the money in the family. Keep it in the circle. Like, why are we so eager and willing to put money in everybody else's pocket but our own relatives, our own friends, our own people? Sometimes I feel like it's jealousy, Because when you see someone doing something outside of the norm, sometimes it holds a mirror up to what you could be or what you should be doing. And it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. It is. And sometimes it's hard to see someone you know achieve great things. It's easier to clap for a stranger. But when you see somebody in your own backyard doing it, Like I said, sometimes it can be like a reflection. It can be like, wow, like, so I don't have any excuses. Or maybe it can make you full of regret because now you see the possibilities that are out there and you just never chose to go that way because you wanted stability sooner and you want the safer route. 
That happens a lot too. We have to stop masking jealousy and just like selfish agendas for, you know, reality. Like we have to stop making it seem like this kind of behavior is okay. We have to rid ourselves of this every man for yourself mentality. Because as soon as somebody in your family blow up, now you and all everybody else expect that one person to fulfill the needs of everybody when y'all never fulfill any needs for that person. So if it's really every man for themselves, that rich cousin don't owe you, owe you shit and your light bill ain't their problem. And you know, most people ain't going to agree with that because we expect people who are in positions of power to almost be magicians and make all problems go away, especially the people that they care about, the misfortunate. And that's not a fair expectation to put on somebody. It's not. And that's just my view on this subject. And now it is time for my segment, What am I watching right now? So I'm going to try my best to not talk your heads off about this new film that I was completely against after seeing the trailer. For some reason, it just made me a little uncomfortable. The film is Malcolm and Marie. It's trending right now on Netflix. It's currently number three. And when I first saw the trailer, I thought it looked super dramatic. It appeared to be almost like unrealistic in a sense. This is just my perception. And I just thought she looked entirely too young for the role. There was a part of me that was like, this girl looks like she's 18 to 20. This man looks like he's in his 30s. He is gorgeous. She is gorgeous. I know people do date people who are 10 years older. Plus, plus, plus. That's a real thing. And she is a grown-ass woman. She is of age. But just looking at it, I just felt like she just looked too young for me to believe the role. That was just after seeing the trailer. And I was like, I'm not even going to watch it. Because at this point, it just didn't make sense visually to me. And I do want to add that I know that by me saying this, it can be offensive to women who have youthful appearances. Because if you're a grown woman, you're a grown-ass woman. It's not your fault that you're 30 and you look 18. And that should not affect your dating pool that should not affect your femininity or your ability to be sexy. So I know, like, there's a part of me that knows that what I'm saying isn't completely right. But I have to be honest about why I was a little turned off originally from this film. You know, and I understand her plight. You know, Zendaya, gorgeous girl. She was a child star who is now an A-list actress. And she wanted a role that spoke to where she is in her life right now like 
I get it. You know, you don't always want to be seen as a child. When you're a grown woman, you want to do grown things. You want to be a part of grown things. You want to be seen as a grown up. I understand. But at first I just was like, she just looked too young for the role for me. And I'm not the only person that felt this way because, you know, prior to the movie being released, there were so many write-ups about the trailer of the film and people were projecting their thoughts about how the film would do and talking about what it be, what it was about. And a lot of people were fixated on the age gap and a lot of people were uncomfortable with the age gap. Just putting that out there, just saying. So it wasn't just me. And she can't help the fact that she is gorgeously youthful. But I still was a little uncomfortable. Fast forward to yesterday, last night, it was 11 p.m. And I'm reading all these reviews on Instagram about the movie. Everybody's talking about it. I can't escape it. And I saw so much bad stuff, like so many negative reviews were like permeating my psyche about this movie that it kind of made me want to watch it because I'm the kind of person I'm like I'm always going to have my own opinion I'm always going to voice that and I'm like was it really that bad I turned on Netflix it was the first listen I put the movie on and most people were annoyed by the amount of arguments that took place because basically the whole movie was just them in black and white in the house feuding, right? Most people didn't like that. They wanted color. They wanted different scenes and other characters. They wanted a full story, a traditional movie, right? And then most people were bothered by the fact that The producer and writer, his name is Sam Levison. I'm sorry, he's actually the writer and the director because Zendaya and John David Washington produced it. But people were upset about a white man telling black stories. And I understand that and I agree. I do think that we need more black writers. I do not think that white people should continue to write our our stories. I do not think that, but I will be a liar if I said that I didn't enjoy the story. Sorry, y'all. Oh my God. Like I was immediately in love with the cinematography. It was shot so gorgeously. Like, I was like, how can something so simple and black and white be, like, so beautiful? Like, it was this scene where she was, like, laying in bed and he's outside. And, like, there's this huge tree. And you see, like, his figure, his silhouette. And then you see her. I just thought it was so beautiful. So I admired the way the movie was shot. I admired the setting. I admired how both stars looked. So gorgeous. But the but the dialogue though, oh my god. The dialogue was incredible. It was relatable. It was so deep and thought-provoking. There were like so many 
great gems in this movie about love and relationships. And it was so dysfunctional, but then it was also like so beautiful and the chemistry was great. And I thought the acting was incredible. John reminded me of his father so much throughout this film, but also like outside of him being Denzel Washington's son, he is an incredible actor. Like he, he's a beast. He is amazing. I cannot wait to see what else he does. His acting was so good. It was so good. And just watching this movie, I was just so into the dialogue and the arguments that I forgot it wasn't in color. Like, I didn't even need color. I enjoyed it being black and white. I enjoyed it being in that setting because I felt like it's literally a day in a relationship. Like, I've had days like that. I've had nights like that in my relationship where, and I'm not saying it's okay, but no relationship is perfect and every relationship has baggage and everyone argues. And, you know, sometimes you say mean things to people you love, your ego speaks volumes. You know, sometimes your pain causes you to be vindictive and spiteful and hurtful. And I'm not saying that this kind of stuff is acceptable and okay, but it happens. And I thought that this film was so relatable. I thought it was literally like a metaphor for a long-term relationship. Like on the outside, it looks so great. It looks so perfect. But to be a fly on the wall in a, in a marriage or a long-term relationship, you are going to see some shit like this. The tears, the love, the cursing, the arguments, the conflict, all of that is real. That shit is real. I think sometimes we glamorize relationships so much that we forget to consider the other person and we forget to consider that life happens and that shit ain't gonna always be easy and i always tell people that love is a decision it's a choice that you wake up and make every single day that butterfly shit every day that concept that's tv that's fake there's going to be some days when you're pissed off. There's going to be days when you're disappointed in yourself or in that person. There's going to be days when you don't see anything wrong in yourself and you see everything wrong in your partner. And that's not fair, but that's the reality. And you be the problem sometimes too. It's not just your person. Sometimes you are the problem. You mess up too. It's not just that person. And it takes a lot to be able to see that, to be able to admit to that, and to be able to build and work from that understanding. Life is not a fairy tale. Love is not a fairy tale. And the words that they use sometimes work cruel. But sometimes we all do that to the people we love. And then in the same breath, you're sorry. And you didn't mean it. And I'm not the kind of person that comes out the door like banging and being disrespectful and being cruel, but I'm going to match you. Like if you cruel to me, I'm going to be cruel to you. 
And a lot of times throughout the argument, like Zendaya, you know, she didn't initiate, you know, the war, but she definitely helped finish it or added to it. And as women, you know, how many times have we told our men, like, no, it's fine, when it really wasn't fine. And then he keeps pressing us and, and, and poking us and nodding us to the fact that now we're exploding with the truth. Because sometimes we choose to ignore our feelings to keep the peace. Or sometimes we're conflicted with our feelings because we want to make sure that, you know, they're coming from an a honest and just place. Because who wants to look jealous? Who wants to look like they're being driven by their ego, especially when you're aware of these kinds of things? So, you know, sometimes it takes some time for you to really like spill the beans and be honest about, you know, your attitude, because sometimes you're not even sure if you are right. And you want to be right. And for me, I could understand Zendaya a lot throughout the film. No, I've never been on drugs because on the, in that film, she was a beautiful catastrophe. She was a hot mess. But aren't we all in some way a hot mess? You know, just in different ways. Regardless of how it looks on the outside, we all deal with our own skeletons and our own demons. And there was a conversation that they had where he talked about supporting her and loving her despite her cheating on him and despite her drug addiction. And I'm trying to think, he made such a good point. Okay, so she dealt with depression and he talked about her being on antidepressants and how she wasn't able to fuck for a year and a half and how he stayed there and he loved her through that. And I'm like, yeah, like sometimes like relationships can take a turn like that. Like sometimes, you know, stress, hormones, childbearing affects your libido. And I also feel like we don't speak about that enough. You know, and sometimes men don't understand how the libido for their woman can be impacted by infidelity, by dishonesty, by lack of support. You know, especially when you are the kind of person that needs like mental stimulation, you know, and sex is important in a relationship. But the other things I just mentioned are just as important. And sometimes when something's lacking, sex takes a hit. And a lot of men don't understand it. <clears throat> My voice is cracking. Sorry. <clears throat> but a lot of times men don't understand it because they maybe they're more physical or, you know, their body functions differently. But you know, they both made mistakes in the film and they both reminded each other of the mistakes. I think we've all been there. And I think that her issues in that moment were valid, you know, about him not thanking her and, you know, just him overlooking her contribution because of the role that she played in his life. I think that a lot of times men do do that. Like you're their girlfriend they expect you to do certain things. They're not always grateful for it. They don't always acknowledge it, but they're so eager to acknowledge their employee, you know, their business partner, in his case, his agent and his co-star. You know, like you could see the contribution in all of these people, but I'm the one at home with you every night reading over the script and giving you my ideas and really living in my own mess which therefore became the premise to this huge film that you just 
had a great premiere for. So I I just thought this film was incredible. I thought it was relatable. I thought it was a beautiful mess. I think that life in itself can be a beautiful mess. And I just thought it was a realistic depiction of of love. And I'm not trying to normalize toxicity, but I feel like a lot of times in Hollywood, love is portrayed as a fairy tale and it comes off very unrealistic. And it's always like in the end, everything is perfect and everything works out. And that's not the way life goes sometimes. And I just thought that this movie did a great job at depicting a real relationship. Like, I definitely could relate to it. And I talked to other women who also could relate to it and who have really great things to say about it. And it just, like, symbolically spoke on a lot of things that women go through in relationships and a lot of things that black women go through um, in, in the world and in relationships. So if you haven't watched this movie, check it out. It's on Netflix. I know it's not for everyone. Some people did not enjoy the way it was shot. I spoke about that in the beginning, but I think it's important to sometimes just give things a chance and have your own opinions, you know? So I put my foot in my mouth. I was not for the film, and now I love the film, and I'll probably watch it again. So you never know until you try it. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Everything is Everything. Can't wait to see you back here next week. Bye-bye.